The Athletic. It's the Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, all the top continental stories with Conte Botch Swap Watch, Bayern PSG role titles, Premier League versus Liga Champions League showdown and Salernitana show-off and shoe-off in Serie A. All that and more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. All right, listener. Well done for making it. You're just in time for an exciting uh, Totally. It's the week commencing Monday, 25th of April. We've got with us Alvaro Romeo and Julian Laurent and James Horncastle. Christoph Bierman is going to be along a little bit later. Hello, boys. Hi, Hello. everyone. We Hello. Hello. Nice. All right. Big week. Of course, there's Champions League on the way. There's titles that have been sorted out. A cup final two. So much stuff. Vandalay Industries, right, since there's James Horncastle, you've had 12 solid hours to come up with the moment of the weekend. No excuses this time. <laughs> All right, Vandalay Industries, let's see how he does as we introduce Moments of the Weekend with Paddy Power. James. I didn't need 12 hours, needed 12 seconds. However, right. Jules will tell you that I'll probably give you 12 answers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Okay. So it's a toss-up between two, uh, but because Jules is already staring at me, I'm going to have to go with one. <laughs> All right. Which is, is going to be how Sunday night ended, really. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I know, I know what you're thinking, but I have to choose one. So right. it's, it's got to be Milan, uh, last-minute goal, Sandro Tonali. Tonali non ci arriva, pallone che rimane in aria, Ibrahimovic, Tonali davanti alla porta, tiro a rete! Ha raddoppiato il Milan! Doppio del Milan è il raddoppio di Sandro Tonali che mette sul photo finish. Okay, he's born in Lodi, came through the ranks at Brescia, but Milan fan, kind of born and bred, scoring a goal which keeps the title race alive, kept Milan at the top of the table after all the pressure that Inter have put on them, and just a magnificent celebration as well. As soon as the ball leaves his foot, he rips his shirt off instinctively, leaps over the the advertising holdings, and goes and celebrates with the, the Milan fans, 14,000 of them. They're outnumbering, I think, or close to outnumbering the Lazio fans because they were uh, protesting against ticket prices. Um, so that that in itself was just mm. the, the goal we'd all like to score, I think. So there we go. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant assist by Ibrahimovic, who was excellent when he came on to, to set up that <laughs> last-minute winner. We'll talk about that later on. We'll also talk about, undoubtedly, uh, moments 2 through to 12, uh, the, the leading one of which will be uh, Davide Nicola waving his shoe around at the heart yeah. of the uh, <laughs> the survival storm that is Salernitana. But, uh, Alvaro, what about you? What's your moment of the weekend? Well... There are three that I would like to single out, but uh, I'm going to stick to one, all related to the Spanish Cup final, okay? Uh, look, it could be uh, Pellegrini tweeting his own phone, na- phone number on Sunday night by, by accident. He removed that like 10 seconds after he did it. What, how did he do that? Uh, he, it was a screenshot of his own number. He just tweeted it, and apparently many people managed to get a screenshot of that. And wow. I don't know how much they pestered him on Sunday night, but maybe a little bit. Then mm. could be Joaquin as well uh, announcing uh, during the celebrations um, that he is going to extend his contract for one more year. He's going to stay one more year at Betis. This is not official yet, but Joaquin said that. And, of course, 
Betis winning the Spanish Cup in a penalty shootout, a beautiful final uh, and a great win for Betis uh, because they didn't win a, or they hadn't won a trophy since 2005. So mm. we know that they will win the Europa League, but it was apotheosic really because the final was very nice. Haven't won a final since 2005 and Wacken was there for that one as well. Extraordinary story. We've all seen the photo. Yeah, when? <laughs> nice. Okay. We'll be hearing about your other moments later on, Alvaro. Julien. Julien. What could possibly be your moment we of the weekend? We are the champions, my friends. What title and season, though? <laughs> were you oh, whistling, so Jules? Were you at the Parc des Princes? Did you leave I was with the other cursing. I, I could not go because I was at Arsenal Manchester United on Saturday, so I could not go. Right. I would not have gone anyway. I right. was cursing the television in our house, mm. okay. cursing Pochettino, Right. Cursing all the players, Neymar, uh, all of them. Uh, it was it was the most underwhelming, really. Of obviously because, as you know, and you you tease me enough, it's a young club, as in. But all the all the titles that they've won, I, I was always I was I was alive, basically the ten, mm. the the two before the Qataris, uh, and then the the eight since, and of all ten. Not that I remember too much the f- the first one, especially because I was only five. But it, this is the most underwhelming. Uh, and so Saturday was nice, but not so nice. Right, Jules. All right. Uh, those are the moments of the weekend. And we're going to start on Powery. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. Plus, be gamble aware. Don't Messi Oh, il est sublime Impression pas de réparation En rupture Une frappe surpuissante qui part dans la lucarne de Jean-Louis Lecas qui n'y peut rien OK, Paris Saint-Germain taking on Lens this weekend. 67th minute with the score deadlocked at 0-0. Up steps young Lionel Messi. Scores a wonderful goal at which the ultras all get up and leave. Jules. <laughs> Yeah, that was some of the most surreal scenes I've ever seen, really. We knew before, because the, the Ultras had announced it, that they would leave the stadium to go and celebrate the title outside of the stadium instead of inside, because they didn't want to celebrate with the players and the team and the coaching staff and the club. So PSG are in the lead. So we know even if Lens scored, they were not going to score two. They went down to 10 men. So right. the title was there. So they left and went outside, literally, literally at the gate of the Parc des Princes, and then staying, having a party, flares, everything, chanting, all that. It was great, great colors, great atmosphere. But inside the stadium, it was right. dead. It was crazy. There was nothing. I mean, some players went straight into the dressing room. People left the ground so quickly. I'd never seen anything like this before. Jules, they didn't want to celebrate with the players. Is this, what, all because they lost the game with Real Madrid? Yeah, it's still the protests from that. But again, this is not the main... There's more issues than just losing to Real Madrid, even the way they did. It's it's the way the club is being run. Uh, The fact that it's the marketing side of things clearly seems to have taken over the sporting side of things. It's Pochettino. It's... They don't think the players care enough, or some of them certainly care enough. So they didn't want to to celebrate with them. I mean, 
Mbappe said he didn't really care that much. Like, as in, the fans do what they want. Mm. He was still very happy to be French champion again and he celebrated with his teammates who are his friends. And that was it. But he, uh, even if even if you're okay with it, it still looked, it looked really strange. Leonardo had some stronger words for it than the players. But yes, the way it was. Mm. All right, well, summer's going to bring some changes, it looks like, on Paris. Uh, the word was this weekend that Pochettino was out already, if not officially out, then certainly it's a matter of days, with Le Parisien reporting that uh, Antonio Conte had called up PSG to say, how about hiring me? What do you think? Is this all happening? <laughs> so I think I think Pochettino, as we've mentioned on the show before, is not going to be there next year. I don't even think he wants to be there himself. So mm. he's got a contract. They would have to pay him off. Uh, I think he'd be happy with that. And then he can see what he will do coming back to England, which is clearly his priority. Not to United, but maybe somewhere else. I don't know. Well, maybe... A job swap. That makes sense. I'm not sure it's a good idea for him to no. go back to Spurs to start with. All right. I'm not sure it's a good idea for PSG to hire Antonio Conte anyway. What's funny with the Conte offering himself is that mm. Fabio Paratici a few weeks ago offered himself as well. Oh. When, when he learned that they were also looking potentially to replace Leonardo, I think this well might can happen. So you can get two Italians for the price of one, which, you know, knowing, knowing some Italian people are... We what? lived in Italy. I'm not sure this is the greatest idea, but you know, why not? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the, the only issue I've got with Conte, as, as much as I think he's a great coach and a is great he's manager, a winner. he's a winner, except in Europe, where he, right it's now. perfect for they, PSG then. Well, no, because they want to win in Europe. So yeah. go and get someone who's actually won before in Europe, not who's been a disaster in Europe. Yeah. Like Conte. Domestically dominant, a disaster in Europe. Exactly, there there exactly. could be a better pairing. Well, yeah, except that that's not really the direction they want to go to anymore. So right, right. I don't know. I mean, uh, certainly, uh, I think the yeah. players would have to work harder. That's for sure. Uh, if Antonio uh, went over, but I, I, I don't think he's the answer. Not that I would want to keep Pochettino anywhere. I would rather mm. Pochettino to go. Uh, but Zidane, as we know, is the priority. If they can't convince Zidane, though, then they would have to look somewhere else. All right. Did Conte? Uh, did he? Do you think he did, he did ring up and say... Yeah, definitely. Any work going Right, not him. But his you know, people. It's, it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Definitely. Interesting comments from uh, sporting director Leonardo, meantime, on his uh, future with the club. He said, with me, it is difficult. Without me, it is impossible. That is sort of my own Ibra thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he also said that he, he acknowledges that he made mistakes. Uh -huh. uh, that was know, good saying, of him. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I mean, Leo, we could have told you, bro. We don't need you to acknowledge anything. We knew already. Everybody does. Right. Um, how bad he's been. I mean, how we bad? can all... But at the same time, this is eight titles in 10 years. So, I mean, something's going right at the club. You lost yeah, a lot of money, James. Champions I mean, it's amazing what happens when you buy the best players in the world. Um, sure, but that helps. Leonardo hasn't been there all the time as well. Remember, no, he went back sure. to Milan and he had such a great period there signing Paqueta, Piontek and Castillejo. Amazing work. True as well. True as well. But, but, but domestically, you know, apart from the Lille season and the, uh, the Monaco one was really the one because, because the Lille one, there was the change of manager, etc. Same with when Montpellier won the title. But the Monaco one, they were really beaten by a better team than them. But apart from that, they were always the best team. So the right. best team should really win every, like, every time over a long season. The Champions League is different because, as we've seen, it's right. not always the best team really that wins it. But the league, 
should be yours. So, of course, it's a great achievement and to do 10 and equal the record by Saint-Étienne, well done. Yes. But again, this I don't think it's enough. And and even if Leonardo has his part of credit for it and right. others have had as well, it's not enough. I wouldn't be surprised. So I think Poch is going to go. They're going right. to kick him out. And Leonardo is on the thin thread. He might just about save his life because, as you mentioned with the quote, he's such a good talker. But I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised either if he was gone too. So I don't know whether Conte offered himself. In fact, people around him have, have kind of denied this. I do know who did offer themselves to PSG as a sporting director a year ago because he wrote about this in his latest book. It was Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Yeah, so true. maybe Zlatan... Coming to the end of his time at AC Milan, maybe he is the man to run this project, Jules. What do you say? <laughs> I imagine. What could go wrong? Oh mm. my God. Just to be clear, whoever does come in, they need to win the title every year and the Champions League as well. Otherwise, it's not a, not a success. Is that right? Because <laughs> um, that seems to be the, the parameters we're looking at. It's not that, I th- but that's the same for every big club. Every big club wants to well, win no, the Well, no, it's not. League. You don't see other clubs like walking out on their title celebrations because they lost to Real Madrid. No, no, but the ultras, this is a bit unfair. The ultras didn't protest because, just because they lost to Real Madrid. Okay. They protested for loads of other things, like the way the club is being run, where they think about selling shirts more than actually winning football matches, how bad the football has been all season, because it's been terrible, and many other reasons as well. It's not just because they were knocked out. That hurt that defeat in Madrid. Of course it did, like the remontadas before, but it's not just the problem. If you think that's the only problem, then no, this is wrong. No, no, okay. Well, that, that's that's what I'm asking. Uh, also, potentially on his way out is that Kylian Mbappe fellow. Although Leonardo saying the talks are ongoing, some suggestions there might be another club now in the mix. Some suggestions that other club might be Liverpool. Jules? No, I don't think no? so. No, all right. I don't think so. Okay. And I mean, like, no. I mean, everything's always possible. Mm. Uh, but right now, certainly what I'm being told is that it's either PSG or Real Madrid, which we've known, that he's still undecided. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that's true. We certainly know that his mother was in Doha this week or last week, half for the holidays, half also to be talking to Nasser Al-Khalaifi, who is there for, Ramad- for his Ramadan month. We know that he's going to go to Madrid, as well. um, not Kylian himself, but the family is going to Madrid as well to, to see Florentino Perez. So at some point, he will make his mind up, probably at the end of the season, maybe in June, or certainly announce it at that time. So Mm -hmm. I I really thought it would be earlier, but he's taking his time. I think he's taking his time because he doesn't know yet. So we will have to see. I think PSG are pushing hard. The the image right is a big thing. And they're ready to give more than Real Madrid in that sense. So we will see. But I don't think it's a done deal. Yeah, but it's between the two. We'll talk a little bit more about Liga later on, but just a quick mention for the Saint-Étienne-Monaco game, which finished in a 4-1 win for Monaco, their sixth victory in a row, keeping them in the mix at least for the Champions League playoff place. Mm. Uh, the exciting thing was the fact that Amazon mic'd up the referee. For that was game. cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Pas de temps d'arrêt sur la dernière foulée. OK, pas de temps d'arrêt sur la dernière foulée. Yes, Go on your line, please. Not only the ball. Go on your line, please. Really cool. You saw uh, Riyad Boudabous, for example, the, the Saint-Etienne uh, playmaker, coming to him and said, listen, Golovin and uh, Volant, they, 
they're terrible players. They keep kicking us all, all around. Like, like when you go and see your teacher and say, James Richardson at the back, he's really annoying. It was exactly the same. He said, keep an eye on Golovin. Golovin especially, he's really naughty. <laughs> yeah. And he said, keeping the word, he's naughty. They're really naughty. And I'm like, what? But it was really cool. The ref, for example, at some point said to uh, Gorna, who's one of the, um, the really bright prospects from Saint-Étienne, young player, saying, hey, stop making those fouls 70 yards away from your goal because that's a, that's a silly yellow. Uh, and I think I think it's great to have those little bit. This mm. is much better than what we saw, obviously, from the stands because the uh, ultras again at Saint Etienne, who was it was their 30th anniversary, uh, and they created chaos. The game was suspended. At some point, we wondered if the game would restart even. So uh, another eventful weekend in Liga. Also interesting, the fact that the referee appeared to be officiating with a kazoo. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. Well, St. Etienne remain in the relegation playoff place. Uh, and uh, yes. Now, PSG picking up their eighth title in 10 years. Bayern picking up their 10th in a row. Of course, we'll be hearing Woo. about that later. But next up, we're on to the Champions League. So, Mr. Guardiola, what's troubling you? I am very tired, doctor. Tired, right. No, I'm very tired of winning. It's just too easy at the moment, you know. I need a challenge. Like finally winning the Champions League with Man City? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Come on. Will Pep finally do it? At Paddy Power, we can't guarantee you a trophy, but we can guarantee you money back as a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus 4 bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power! Pre-match online bet builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. 7-day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds. Eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Champions League semi-finals. You've got Liverpool against Villarreal, Villarreal on Wednesday. Man City up against Real Madrid on Tuesday. Woo, Alvaro. Hey, uh, two weeks on from those battles with Atletico Madrid, it's the other Madrid team for Pep. It's going to be a different kind of game, I'm thinking. Of course, it's going to be much more uh, difficult to start with because uh, Real Madrid this season, uh, numerically, they are doing really well. And we have heard even Pep Guardiola uh, in the press conference ahead of the game uh, praising Real Madrid a lot. And uh, the truth is that uh, I think that Manchester City and Guardiola understand that Real Madrid is the kind of team that uh, when um, they are in trouble, they know how to find the solution. And this is something that uh, Manchester City maybe doesn't know how to do so well because uh, Manchester City is a team that uh, normally responds when the wind is favorable, the tidal is favorable. They are probably a better team than Real Madrid right now. But Real Madrid has a certain resilience that uh, Pep Guardiola is very aware of. So I think that this tie is going to be quite interesting. Uh, I believe as well that um, what happens in uh, the Etihad is going to be quite important, but probably at Santiago Bernabeu this is going to be decided. I mean, uh, Real Madrid has to make sure that they play slightly better than they did play uh, half of the tie against Chelsea and half of the tie against the PSG, because otherwise they are going to be out. I mean, they cannot keep on playing with fire more time. They have learned, they are rested because they didn't play this weekend. And mm. yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to it, James. Okay, they've put out, as you mentioned, Paris Saint-Germain and the holders, Chelsea. Man City, meanwhile, navigated uh, both legs of their clashes with Atletico Madrid and before that Sporting Lisbon without conceding a single goal, though. So a different level, perhaps, of opponent. What, what are the Spanish press thinking of this? How worried are they? Uh, they are not so worried because uh, Real Madrid has already reached the semi-final. They've been here before. They are just 
expecting uh, to see what Real Madrid is capable of. Uh, there is an understanding in Spain as well that Manchester City is a really big team, but probably Liverpool was the most dangerous opponent for Real Madrid, even more than Manchester City on the basis of what we have seen in April especially. And there is anticipation as well for um, meeting Guardiola. At the end mm. of the day, Guardiola has met uh, Real Madrid as a manager many times. I think that it's been in total 19 games of Guardiola against Real Madrid, and he has only lost three of them. Oof. Two with Bayern, one with Barcelona. So mm. the numbers of Guardiola against Real Madrid are very good, with the exception of what happened with Bayern when they lost, I think, that 5-0 in the aggregate. Uh, Real Madrid winning with Ancelotti, by the way, 4-0 away at the Allianz Arena. Uh, but generally speaking, this is a very... Um, very interesting game, I repeat again, because there is a class of styles here. In Manchester City, again, they are going to have the possession, the control, but that doesn't mean that Real Madrid is going to feel uncomfortable not having the ball. It's going to be very key as well to know who plays in the right back, I think, because Kyle Walker is still doubtful for the game. Ruben Diaz against Watford didn't look totally sharp. And Joe Cancelo, I believe he's suspended. So if Vinicius has a free hit on the left channel, well, I think Manchester City can, uh, can be in trouble there. Mm. Jules and James, what do you think? I think it's going to be great. I really, I can't wait for this one because you can't take away the fact that Real Madrid was also lucky. As great as they've been and as good as Killian, uh, as good as Karim has been, they... He said Killian then, said yeah, the Freudian slip. Shut up. What um, do you know? I, as great as Karim Benzema, Karim oh, yeah. the Dream, uh, did... Yeah. They rode that luck for three quarters of each tie, really. Let's be honest. Well, not, not so much for Chelsea, but certainly with PSG, but even Chelsea uh, in that second leg. So I, I don't think, again, I don't think they've got any sort of margin, n n certainly not against a team like City. So I, I think if Pep doesn't mess up the starting lineup and if, if City can have one of those performances where they have a lot of the ball and we know that this Real Madrid side cannot really press, they're not very good at pressing and not very good at recovering the ball either, then I think they could be under so much pressure that it might be very difficult for them. And if if Modric is not on a good day or Courtois is not on a good day and certainly the ball doesn't get to Benzema, mm. then I think they might struggle as well with the ball. So I think it's going to be fascinating to see what Carlo does and you would expect Valverde to play again like they did in the quarterfinals. And then for Pep, see what he does. But it's going to be a fascinating contest. I think that deep inside, James, uh, Guardiola always admired uh, Real Madrid's uh, character and resilience uh, as a player and as a manager. Because, uh, you know, Real Madrid has been probably worse than their opponents in the knockout tie of the Champions League. They have played four games, right? I think that they were worse at the Parc de France. The first half against uh, PSG at Bernabeu, they, they were the worst side. And then Chelsea played much better than them at Santiago Bernabeu. And yet, Real Madrid managed to go through. And they have won the Champions League a few times, just suffering in the quarterfinals. I remember against Juventus with uh, that uh, late penalty on Cristiano Ronaldo, Lucas Vázquez, I don't remember. Yeah, you have a, you have a uh, uh, what was it, a, a, bin, a bin for a heart. That was it. <laughs> yeah. They, they know how to deal with these situations. So that's why I was saying before that uh, no matter what happens at the Etihad, I think Santiago Bernabeu will be the judge of this tie. Um, and also, many Real Madrid players, and this uh, has been defying many omens, they are very rested as well. They are old, Luka Modric especially, also Karim Benzema is uh, almost 35 now, but they've been playing the whole season, many games, and they seem to be sharp physically. So I think that Carlo Ancelotti's planification of this season has been brilliant. 
When Barcelona, Atlético, and Sevilla weren't getting the points in La Liga, Real Madrid got the massive, massive point gap with, uh, with them. Then they've been able to relax in La Liga lately, recently. Not playing 100%, at least. But they are in this position again. I don't mm. think that many clubs in Europe can do this. Like, being suffering so much and at the yep. same time reaching these stages. But there's a time where it's not going to work again. Do you see what I mean? I think that there's, yeah. there's a limit yeah. to which you can ride your luck in, in the sense, if that's it, and there's a, there's a limit until your experience and you know how in those kind of situations can carry you. Unless they play better in, in the two legs, like really you should do to win a Champions League match, those kind of miracles don't, don't happen again. Do you see what I mean? And it might happen again in the semifinal, I don't mm -hmm. know. But usually there's a point where... You, the limits are showed and then and then unfortunately for you you don't you don't win again in the same way that you've won before. Mm. Jules seems to feel a humbling evening is on the way for Real Madrid at the Etab whereas Alvaro is quietly confident. I'm wondering James where you stand on this. Well, I mean, there was no La Liga at this weekend. So, I mean, yeah. to, uh, to, to, to pick up on what Alvaro says about freshness, I mean, that's going to play in their favour. You know, I, I think it's I mean, the family Man, affairs. Man City barely had a game. <laughs> yes. I mean, you've got the, the the whole family affair, Carlo Ancelotti. You know, I mean, his his son-in-law's the nutritionist. Uh, you know, clearly he's preparing them some great food. They've got Antonio Pintus back. You know, Pintus, who was the fitness coach when Zidane was there, he then went to to work with Conte when Conte was at Inter. Um, so you know, they've got bits and bobs like that going for them, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I, I I just think City are on a complete. Uh, other level however <laughs> there's something just so primal about uh real madrid which is uh that they they reduce it all to kind of like not individual battles but like i am better than you and i will prevail in those 1v1s and you know often it's yeah i can completely see a, an eventuality in which you know vinicius on the on the counter-attack or something or on the dribble creates something or you know and a nothing cross that's behind karim benzema uh is all of a sudden somehow turned in <laughs> you know so um yeah on paper absolutely city are the better side but city have been the better side on paper than any other team in europe for the last five six years so mm. you know and yet mm. all right Alvaro, you were saying that the Spanish press regard Liverpool as the more dangerous opponent. So what do they make of Villarreal's chances of, of, of making it to the final? Well, I, I, I will speak in representation of all the Spanish press now. I think that <laughs> we all think that it's going to be the, the impossible test for Villarreal. I really believe that now. I mean, uh, the attacking sequences of Liverpool can be endless. Liverpool attacking is like a tidal, wave after wave after wave. And um, the level of those attacks is very difficult to defend as well. For example, Bayern, I believe that they never put good crosses against Villarreal. They never really uh, storm out there and uh, take Villarreal from the scruff of the neck. But I think that Liverpool can do that. In fact, Liverpool cross a lot of balls in the Premier League, for instance. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, they have provided... Uh, a total of 22 assists and in the Champions League they have provided five that tells you that they are excellent crossers and um, Pau Torres and Albiol they will have to work really 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 hard to clear all the danger that comes into their box uh, probably Unai Emery will uh, have to close down many channels because against Bayern and especially against Juve they close down the, 
the central areas, but against uh, Liverpool they, ha they will have to close the central areas and also the flanks. So, you know, probably when I am wish he got 12 or 13 players on the pitch, but this is not possible. I think that this is very difficult, more difficult even without Gerard Moreno, because mm. he's probably not going to be available for the game, even though Unai Emery hasn't confirmed it yet uh, at the time of recording this show. Uh, Villarreal has a good counter-attack, but Gerard Moreno is a pivotal part of it, because he he knows how to how to solve uh, attacking uh, counter-attacks for Villarreal. So Dan Yuma will probably have a lot of scoring responsibility. Against Valencia last Wednesday, he took it, he embraced it, he scored a couple of goals. But I think that Liverpool has two defenders that, unlike Bayern defenders, and especially unlike Juventus defenders, they are very self-sufficient. If you have a run or a race against Virgil van Dijk one-on-one -on -one with 40 meters uh, behind you, Virgil van Dijk is going to win it, probably. And same thing applies to whoever plays alongside uh, Virgil van Dijk, Konate, Matip. And I think that uh, this is the, that's why this is the ultimate challenge for Villarreal, because they are playing against the best defenders and against the team that doesn't stop attacking. So yes, very difficult, very difficult teams. Mm -hmm. James, you saw Villarreal on He's an part. expert, isn't he? He's an expert <laughs> yeah. in Not Valencian just football. football, but also yeah. you were there yeah. in Chiriad when, when it was, <laughs> when Juve was supposed to do the yellow submarine and and uh, what do you do you or Jules give give the yellow submarine any more chance of, of making it through to this impossible final? Well, uh, looking back at the the Juventus game, both legs. I mean, uh, Juventus scored after what three minutes or something like that with Vlajevic at La Ceramica, uh, and and then Villarreal took control of the game and dominated in in a, in a really impressive way. Uh, you know, I mean, it was almost like they had six or seven players across Juventus's back line. You know, we're used to seeing now teams attack with five. They attacked with seven uh, and, and completely squashed um, Juventus into their own penalty area. Uh, the second leg was was different. You see, you see so many sides to this Villarreal team, which I think is one of the things that gives them a chance because I, I do think they are kind of sort of masters in situational football, really. Uh, when they have to defend, they, they can defend. When they have to attack, they have to attack. When the game is slow, they can play slow. When it's fast, they can play fast. Uh, in the second leg against Juventus, I mean, they were very lucky for the first half for it to still be nil-nil. And then they waited for their moment. They made the right changes and the house came down um, at Juventus. And, and, and likewise against, against Bayern, first leg, a ceramic, they shouldn't have just won 1-0. They should have won 2 or 3-0. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I do think Bayern are a team that attack and attack and attack, wave after wave after wave. And, and they put up with that in the, in, in, the, in the second leg and coped with it. So I was, I've been impressed with how they defended. I've been impressed with how they've managed games within games. So I don't think necessarily that, um, you know, this is a fair complete you know i i do th i do think that villarreal do have a chance i mean how many times do people want to write this team off you know it happened in the europa league last year it's happened in the champions league at every stage so far so you know mm. and the way that liverpool were frustrated for an hour against everton maybe gives some sense that villarreal can can do that for the full 90 then what happens when they go back to the ceramica we 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 shall see Jules, any thoughts or should we move on? No, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Again, two different styles. It'd be good to see. I don't know what's, what's best for a team like Villarreal, though. Is it to go away first or, 
or to host the second leg when when usually I mean if if you take the lead in the first leg at home and then I think defensively they can work really well away from home in the second leg to defend the lead. You know what happens if they lose, let's say, against Liverpool in the first leg and then at home they have to chase the game and then obviously opening up and go for it. I think then that that would play so much into Liverpool hands. So I think a team like Villarreal would probably prefer being the other way around than actually hosting the second leg. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens Tuesday, Wednesday, of course, then Thursday brings Europa League and Europa Conference League semi-finals, which we'll be discussing very shortly. Next up, though, Christoph Biermann and some Copa del Rey final. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's good news for Watford fans as they get ready to appoint their fourth manager of the season. Pre-match bet builders only get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Maximum free bet is £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. Online exclusives and T's and C's apply. Copa del Rey final, Alvaro. It started Saturday, finished sometime on Sunday <laughs> in a victory for Real Betis Balompié uh, on penalties, 5-4. As you mentioned at the start, their first major trophy since winning this same competition back in 2005 and emotional scenes at the end. Uh, I, I read those since that Joaquin, it's not going to be his farewell as a Betis player. It looks like it won't because uh, during the celebrations, well, on Saturday after the game, a uh, pitch reporter asked him, uh, are you going to stay or not? And Joaquin said, how can I leave now? Mm. Uh, so he was kind of hinting already that maybe, maybe he would stay. Of course, uh, um, Betis and him will have to reach, reach an agreement. Um, but on uh, Sunday, he, he was telling uh, his people, um, shouting out loud to the city of Sevilla, that he was going to stay uh, for one more season. Ho- hopefully that will happen, because he was born in 1982. So next season, at the end of it, he might be potentially 42 years old. He was born in 1981, sorry. So he, w- he will be uh, 42 years old. And it will be a very, um, very impressive story, because uh, I was uh, reading today that the, the only the only player who has won more than one title with Betis is Joaquin. Joaquin has won two titles with Betis. No other Real Betis player has won more than one title with Betis, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joaquin also had a very long trip before he returned to Betis. He uh, went to he went to Valencia and he was all right there after endless rumors that he was going to end up at Real Madrid. Then he went to Málaga, and he became a very important player for Málaga, especially when uh, when Málaga started getting poor and selling the big players. Uh, Joaquín stayed there and uh, defended the club excellently. Then he went to Fiorentina. Uh, probably James uh, knows much more about his performances in there. And then he returned to Betis, and when it looked like those were his last 
two years for Betis, he did many impressive things. He scored his first ever hat-trick against Athletic Club Bilbao when he was already 38 or 39 years old. He won the cup again. And the other day, it's not only that he won the trophy with Betis, it's the fact that he did a couple of accelerations at the age of 40 that uh, left many opponents behind. And Valencia is regarded like a very physical team. So maybe Joaquin is not ready to play 90 full minutes at full mm -hmm. speed, but he's uh, still a very good quality player and he's got the quality in his right foot and he's uh, defending, you know, Betis pride everywhere uh, very well. Magnificent. Manuel Pellegrini in his tracksuit, as you know. They win 63% of matches when he is in the tracksuit and only 39% <laughs> when he doesn't. So that was huge. And, That's uh, what data departments are for, isn't it? Yep. Why would you ever not wear your tracksuit? Can you imagine the players if they see him turn up in a suit? No. But just briefly, winning for Betis in a season that's been a bit mixed after much initial promise, to win the Copa del Rey again in their own city, Alvaro. Well, very, very important for Betis, of course. Uh, they, they could have won the... You know, uh, their idea was to make uh, a glorious double uh, winning the Europa League and the mm. Copa del Rey in La Cartuja in Sevilla. But that is impossible, obviously, because Frankfurt uh, kicked them out. But the season is uh, very successful for Betis, no matter what, because they will be at least in the Europa League the next season. For Pellegrini, this is very important as well, because he got his f first ever title in Spain after uh, finding uh, glory in uh, and silverware in the UK. But, you know, uh, he had to win a title in Spain, probably, uh, to be more recognized, and I think that uh, this is a little bit of a vindication by Pellegrini because he created a team that uh, plays a very good football. They fought a lot against Valencia in a very beautiful final with some of their best players of Betis just giving their best ever level. And I'm talking, for example, about Borja Iglesias, a player that for a couple of years he didn't score so many goals and suddenly he was amazing, and I put it down to Pellegrini as well. He has worked a lot with him. And Pellegrini, when he was the Real Madrid manager, he was very unfairly treated by Marca, especially by Marca and the previous director of Marca, Eduardo Inda, and some of the headlines of Marca towards Pellegrini were very, very, very disrespectful. So it's very good to see that 11 or 12 years later, finally mm. Pellegrini is like vindicating himself in Spanish football with a title, you know. For those who think that a title is a must for you to be considered as a great manager, well, here we go. He's got one in Spain, so congratulations. Indeed. All right, excellent stuff. Uh, now, meantime in the Bundesliga, as mentioned before, Bayern Munich with a 3-1 victory over Borussia Dortmund uh, this weekend, winning uh, the German title uh, for the 10th season in a row. Christoph Biermann joins us now. Hello, Christoph. Hi, guys. Hello How there. are you? Very good. Christoph, yourself? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not in celebratory mood concerning this 10th title for uh, Bayern in a row. I don't know. I don't know what you think. There were a lot of comparisons with Bulgaria, with Latvia, and uh, even a colleague was uh, was saying <laughs> that maybe Bayern, uh, Bayern were getting the uh, record holder from Vanuatu, who has uh, 15 titles in a row. So, All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> FC Bayern, more like. Uh, yeah. Ooh. You know, nice. Uh, ten season in a row. Ten, ten season in a row, Christoph, that we've had a big debate about how one sided the Bundesliga is and how to fix that. Yeah. Um, it is one-sided. It's not so one-sided below Bayern. Mm. Actually, it's quite interesting. I mean, we have been talking 
about Frankfurt a lot, not in the Bundesliga context, but on the international uh, level. Uh, Freiburg has an outstanding season, qualified this week for the German Cup final. Maybe their best ever season in the Bundesliga also. They still have a chance to go to the uh, Champions League again. A fantastic season by Union Berlin. Uh, one of the listeners complained that I was saying Union Berlin. Uh, he, he said to me, I should say Union Berlin. So I do. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and, and others, I mean, uh, big teams in in crisis, Stuttgart and um, uh, Hertha and so on. So the rest is okay. And, and, and we talked about the reasons before. I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's a distribution of wealth um, that's easy as that because the, the gap between Bayern and the rest is too big. No, for sure. Uh, tenth season in a row, though. Uh, the extraordinary thing is that only once in those 10 years has any of their rivals been within even 10 points of them as they took the title, which is just an incredible level of dominance. Jules earlier was describing Paris Saint-Germain's latest uh, title as the worst yet. Uh, Is there a similar feeling of of ennui with with, with Bayern? I I know it's been a big talking point in in Germany, the fact that it's them again. yeah, it's them again. You, you, you could see that they are uh, they're still properly celebrating it. They're happy mm. and it, it was the first ever uh, title for Julian Nagelsmann um, as a, a coach in, in senior football. So uh, he was he was uh, pretty happy because he was seeing how difficult it is. Uh, not only to be the coach of a top club in Germany, but to be the Bayern coach. Uh, That is uh, something special, something extra. And their season was okay. So I wouldn't say it was the worst of the uh, 10 titles, uh, but it wasn't also impressive. And uh, it it could have been impressive if if they would have shown more in the Champions League, but they went out against Villarreal and that was it. Mm, indeed. Well, it was sweet to win it against uh, Borussia Dortmund. I imagine a 3-1 victory as a mention. Robert Lemdusky on the score sheet as per usual. Uh, he's now on 27 goals in 26 career games against the uh, Gelb Schwarzen. Uh, he might not be facing them next season, though. Christoph, his uh, future. Uh, I would be. I would be sure that uh, I. I think uh, there are two options um, that they extend his contract and um, uh, and if not, they probably let him go on a free transfer towards the end of next year. I. I think they won't sell him in summer. I would be hugely surprised. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, now, meantime, Thursday night is a huge one for some of those other exciting Bundesliga clubs you were mentioning, like Eintracht Frankfurt and RB Leipzig, who could well supply us with an all-German final in the Europa League. Eintracht Frankfurt, who had a 2-2 draw with Hoffenheim at the weekend, will be at West Ham Thursday. Is there going to be another invasion in Stratford? <laughs> no, no. Uh, maybe there are. There will be more Frankfurt supporters there uh, as the three thousand uh, that they uh, got tickets for. Uh, I think it's a, it's a, the the allocation. It's only three thousand. So maybe there will be some more, but but they won't be another. 
25 or 30,000 people coming to East London. So uh, uh, I wouldn't be would be surprised. For Frankfurt, you could could see that the Bundesliga right now is is a kind of training field for for international football. Uh, so I, uh, they had this two-two draw, but but if you ask me, what do we learn from this? My answer would be nothing, uh, because uh, I think most of the players try to to not be injured, <laughs> so that they can play in the semi-finals. Um, I, I would I would uh, say that um, Frankfurt is is the outsider there, not the huge outsider, but I, I would see um, West Ham as as a favorite. Although they have the advantage of uh, having the second leg at Frankfurt and uh, causing this kind of, uh, I, I, I tend to call it chaos or so, but, but it, it has a chaotic element to it because everybody is so excited. So, so it's, it's, uh, these, these games are overflowing with uh, emotion from, from the stands and also on the pitch. So uh, that might, might help uh, Frankfurt in the second leg. But at first they have to get a good result from the first one in London. Mm. West Ham looking a little bit tired though of late a lot of injuries particularly at the back and frankfurt with so many threats as we saw in that extraordinary match in in barcelona what about rb leipzig and rangers interesting uh, games from from leipzig this week so they ended their uh, 15 games unbeaten run at home um, against uh, Union Berlin and uh, whom they played uh, four days before in the uh, semi-final of the German Cup, which they won 2-1 in, in almost the last minute. And, um, and interesting, it was interesting because the Bundesliga uh, match on, on, on Sunday, uh, Union deserved to win it and and uh, for the first time Leipzig looked a bit tired and a bit worn out um, I think they will will rotate a lot for the um, for the uh, games or, or, or a bit that's also something uh, Domenico Tedesco the coach said that they would do and uh, I, I would say so so if if uh, West Ham is a bit the favorite in, in uh, against Frankfurt I would say Leipzig is a bit the favorite against uh, Rangers uh, but but the same situation I think it's uh, in this case it's Rangers bringing in this emotion and and all these energy of a of a club that is longing for international recognition and and so and, and so on and and RB Leipzig with, with, with the sto story they have they don't have it so um, but they have they have a, a lot of quality of players of course. Mm. A problem for Rangers can be that uh, they don't have any attacking forces right now because Morelos is not there and uh, Roof, I believe that he won't be available for the first leg and let's see if he's available for the second leg as well. So they don't have like a really good striker to play in this tie. Mm. They'll need some ruthless finishing. <laughs> <laughs> Christoph, thank you so much for being with us today. Look forward to catching up with you next week ahead of those second legs. Who knows? what scorelines we'll be discussing then. Uh, but have a great week in the meantime. You too, guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Hey, who's up to discuss some Conference League semifinals? I know I am. Let's see, there's two of them. Final Marseille, that's one. The other is Leicester Roma. Ooh, hello. Brendan Rogers against Jose Mourinho. Their relationship dates back to 2004 when Mourinho's Chelsea hired Rogers to be head of their academy. Crikey. All right, James. Roma going to the King Power on Thursday, having just seen their 12 game unbeaten run ended by a 3 1 defeat, which is Jose's old club. Inter, what, what, what do you think? You're quite bullish, I think, quietly about the rumours chances. Because of set pieces, <laughs> well, look, right? I mean, set pieces, yeah, because mm. only Liverpool have scored more uh, in Europe's top five leagues. And we know that Leicester have struggled um, defending them so far this season. Um, so, yeah, that's encouraging. Although, you know, in that defeat... Uh, to Inter on Saturday night. Uh, Roma should have opened the scoring from a set piece. Gianluca Mancini headed over uh, from close range. I mean, the 12 game unbeaten one was in the league. Um, mm. you know, they obviously had lost to Bodo Glimt um, in, in Norway um, and then prevailed in the second leg with that uh, Nicolo Zaniolo hat trick. Zaniolo didn't play at the weekend, he was uh, suspended. Um, so he'll be fresh um, for for this game on Thursday. I think he's the kind of player profiles very well against Premier mm. League teams. Got that kind of drive, that physicality, um, takes players on. Uh, so him and Tammy up front, quite exciting. I think we've got interviews with both in the Athletic before before the game starts. Alan Shearer spoke to to Tammy, who is the competition's top scorer, and you spoke to Nicolo Zaniolo, and and he was uh, how, how was he? Yeah, I mean he was. Uh, yeah, for a kid who's 22, he's got the kind of weight of the world on his shoulders because you know he's seen as the the biggest talent uh, in Italian football. I know you know the Italian papers kind of you know go between him and Chiesa uh, all the time, but um, uh, you know I mean to see him just back playing football and scoring that hat trick against Bodo, you know considering that he'd done the ACL in his left knee and then in his right knee, you know I think it's taken him a while to get up to speed this season, but he's certainly played a lot um, which is which is encouraging I think we'll probably start to see the best of him again next season but uh, but yeah I mean he was saying that you know he doesn't feel like he's had to change his game since since getting injured you know he, he hasn't lost a yard of pace or anything and had to become more of a kind of I don't know tough tackling midfielder or anything like that we still see him driving at defenses so um, so that's that's good yeah so uh, uh, it's just really interesting how these players who have so much thrust upon them so young, um, you know, cope with it. Um, you know, I think he's he's had a lot of scrutiny since he was <laughs> almost a child, made some mistakes. I think he's held his hands up uh, to, to that. But, yeah, it's, it, it can't be easy. Um, not least, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be one thing to be... The, the star of the future, yeah, playing for, yeah, I don't know, Sassuolo. Um, it's another thing doing it for Roma in Rome. 
because mm. that, that is a city that can swallow you up and spit you out in in no time at all so um so yeah so let's see i mean again to just go back to that defeat at the weekend um il tempo the newspaper uh in rome uh their headline was testa a lesta which was that they they had their minds on leicester um i think into a were just better but certainly you know I think over ever since that kind of crazy defeat that um Roma suffered to Juventus back in February when they were 3-1 up and what lost 4-3 it is clear that something has kind of clicked mentally for this team and they they either win games late they hang in games mm. and I think that's what you kind of need in order to to go far in competitions and I think it's one of the reasons why Roma fans are hopeful. I mean, 100,000 of them were in the queue to buy tickets for the second leg at the Olympico. Just an incredible atmosphere and people getting behind uh, Mourinho and the team at the moment. Right. It's going to be really interesting to see Zaniolo, who, as you say, in Italy is regarded as this generational talent, but uh, abroad doesn't have by any means the same kind of profile as maybe Chiesa and the like because of the, that long absence with, with injury. But, but yes, that's... Uh, that's the game coming up at the King Power. Who's going to be facing the winner of that in the final? Jules, Feyenoord or Marseille? Well, that's, I think Marseille have to be favourite. Uh, they, 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 they're good at the moment. They play well. They, they won at Reims on, on Sunday night in a game that was quite a close game against a very defensive team. But Gerson scored a, a lovely winner, by the way, after coming on. Um, I think Sampaoli would be buzzing. The atmosphere would be exceptional because both at Feyenoord and in Marseille is going to be fascinating. Two clubs really who are chasing a glory pass in Europe and this is their big opportunity to go and have a final against a, a big club like Roma or, or maybe less a big club but like Leicester which would be great. So Feyenoord have a really young team, really good team. They're very entertaining to watch but they're very open as well and I think for a tactical team like Marseille, a very intelligent team, this is, this is, this is what I think they should be favourite. All right. Very good. Well, that's your midweek cup action still to come. Oh, my word, what's happened with Barcelona? What happened at Lyon? And some quite extraordinary drama at both ends of the Serie A table. Full details next. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. 
City out, everybody. Woohoo! Title race down to two teams this weekend after Milan won, as James mentioned earlier, Inter won on Saturday, and Napoli blew up at Empoli. Empoli, a team that hadn't won in 17 matches, Napoli were 2 0 up against them with 10 minutes to go. And then what happened, James? Well, I mean, you could say that Liam Henderson happened. I mean, it was a match day in, in Serie A when two Scotsmen scored for two different teams, um, Hickey for Bologna, uh, and Henderson got the kind of comeback on the way. You know, Napoli hadn't lost from 2-0 from up um, since 1942. Uh, I, I think they became only one of four teams in the history of Serie A to throw away a 2-0 lead with only 10 minutes to go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some inept defending. They did every, everything to help uh, Henderson score that uh, that opener uh, and likewise the same for Pinamonti's uh, first goal as well um, and uh, and yeah came back to win 3-2 yeah I think Pinamonti is one of the stories of the season gone under the radar a lot of people again talking about Scamacca being the, the immobile successor um, that yeah the player they want to see up front 13 goals for Sassuolo this season but Pinamonti's got 12 and Jules remembers him making his debut in the Europa League all those years ago for, for Inter he's still he's still very young so he's had a very good season and yeah Empoli kind of snapping this incredible 17 game <laughs> winless run and doing it against Spalletti who obviously you know lives on a farm not too far away from Empoli with his mm. his chickens Snow White um, and you know had said that uh, you know Empoli is like the Oxford University of, of clubs lots of great coaches have graduated from it himself included uh, and unfortunately, well, you think of Sarri as well, and, uh, mm. and likewise, you know these Napoli managers who've gone very close to winning the league for the first time in, in, yeah. since 1990, ultimately losing it and throwing it away in Tuscany. This looked like the, th- I mean, this looked like the season when it could could happen. But what a what a dismal week! A, a one-one draw with Roma at home on the Monday, and then this game, and then post-match, all sorts of tension. Reports of club's vice president. De Laurentiis' son punching and kicking lockers, uh, angry scenes with the the travelling fans, and, and the club sent into a punitive training camp retreat. Although they'll have to wait for uh, for them to to find a hotel apparently, because the the one they usually use next to the training ground is all all booked already. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it's it's not the end of season they were hoping for, and and relations between Spalletti and the and the club taking a, a, a very downward turn. A couple of years of missing out on the Champions League. Remember final day of last year and the Gattuso. Um, you think of the last time they went into Retiro, it probably wasn't the last time, but the most infamous time was after their, I think, Salzburg game in the Champions League group stages and there was a mutiny and that was the end of Carlo Ancelotti. And, you know, Spalletti had a fantastic start of the season. They didn't lose until November. And De Laurentiis was saying he's the best coach that he's had, you know, better than those guys I've mentioned, Sarri and Ancelotti. And, uh, and yeah, after the Roma game was critical of the substitutions, which he felt let Roma back into the game, brought on Juan Jesus, went to a back three, invited pressure. Roma scored that equaliser. Uh, and then, of course, you know, throwing away a 2-0 lead. So, um, so yeah, all is not well. I mean, yeah, I mean, De Laurentiis is kind of known as, you know, being Fumantino, you know, a bit of a fiery character. Um, so, um, so yeah, I'd, I'd still expect to see Spalletti there next year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's been a difficult week for him. Mm, difficult week. Not far away from Naples, meanwhile. 
in Salerno, something quite remarkable seems to be happening. A team that looked dead and buried in the uh, relegation battle. Bottom of the table, they brought in Davide Nicola. The man who had worked a miracle at Crotone and then rode a bike all the way, the length of the peninsula, to celebrate that achievement, seems to be on the verge of doing something similar, at least in terms of staying up with Salernitana. Tell us what's going on, James. <laughs> yeah, it's quite remarkable. I mean, this team could have been kicked out of the league before Christmas. Remember, there was that co-ownership issue. They needed to find a buyer, mm. um, and they did. And that new buyer came in. He runs the Open University in Italy. Um, and uh, he hired Walter Sabatini, a guy who was at Roma for a long time, signed Alisson, Salah, Marquinhos, those kind of guys. Um, and you know, signed an entire new team uh, in, in January, uh, some of whom have been really good. Uh, but David Nicoli, you mentioned, I mean, a complete Houdini figure in Italian football. You mentioned that Crotone uh, feat of escapology. You know, I mean, 14 points after 29 games and they got 20 in their last uh, nine, I think. And uh, and likewise, at, Crotone, at uh, Salernitana, I mean, they had 16, so slightly <laughs> better when he took over. 20 points in their last nine games compared mm. to how many they got in the first 29 games it's, something? It's much better. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. but, I'd but, forgotten yeah. that difference. The, the incredible thing is, is, is that they have Frank Ribéry and Ribéry's, you know, it's not like he, he's He was involved doing a in the winner as he well. He came on at halftime, didn't he? I saw. Yeah, 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 against Fiorentina, which was the, their third win in eight, eight days. And he, he played a part, as did some disastrous Fiorentina defending, but it, he did play a part in the... Um, in the uh, the winning goal and what what scenes there at the Arecchi, the fans who yeah. previously held out banners kind of midway through the season saying, "Dear league, please throw us out. We're sick of this." Um, now now celebrating this this but because it's now in the James. Hmm? What's the secret though? Is it? It's not just him being mad as we saw with his shoe and his crazy hair and his crazy face, or is it? Is it just about him shouting and giving them crazy the belief, face. or is there is there some <laughs> tactical? thing is there some or is it just purely man management look i think they've got a, a fantastic sporting director who is just really instinctive about how he chooses players and has found some some really good ones like edison who they signed from yeah. brazil and also you know i think the the, the players believe in david nicola because he's been there and done it before not only at crotone but he kept genoa he kept torino up he's just a master psychologist i think um and you know i mean they've won three games in a row often late, so they've been hanging in games. I mean, the first half, they played really well against Fiorentina. Second half, they probably didn't deserve to win, but they they found a way. Um, and also, I just think that stadium uh, and the fan base, you know, James mentioned how um, you know, they were saying kickers out of the league. I think they can't believe they are still in the league. Um, all of a sudden, a really deeply unpleasant experience, which they felt their dignity was kind of being trodden all over, you know, sort mm. of uh, in the first half of the season. They're now actually excited to be in City A again for the first time in a long, long time. They've been enjoying it. Um, and uh, and you saw it. It was all the scenes at the Arecchi were kind of similar to when Napoli won the title in 1990, you know, in terms of the ticker tape falling down. It looked really South American the, mm. the, the, the stands are over the goal uh, right close up to the pitch and uh, just the atmosphere there I think is as good as any in City at the moment you're along with what Roma and Inter um, so I think they're really trying to harness that as well so incredible momentum and it's now in their hands incredibly in their hands they've got a game in hand 
and they got a visit from the team three points above them on the other side of the dotted line. Calorie coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Speaking of in hand, uh, David Nicole has got his, his shoe in hand uh, when he's not throwing it around on the, on the sideline, as Jules was referencing there. That's got to play yeah, this a big is great part. man management. <laughs> um, because he want, he wanted to get the attention of Luca Ranieri, one of the one of the players that they signed, I think, um, in, in in January from Fiorentina. Um, he wasn't happy with how he how he defended, but then of course you know it was how Fiorentina defended at the end that uh, that ultimately was the problem. And Igor, who was the the, the centre back at fault, was kind of in the line of sight when uh, when Davide Nicola was kind of you know throwing around this shoe, and maybe he was so petrified. Um, that's that's what kind of led to the mistake. So, mm. again, just brilliance from Nicola. Yeah. Could be a shoe-in to stay up <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, there you go. Remarkable story. We'll be following that with great interest. Genoa are also winning at the weekend. They've got the Genoa derby next time. And they are also just three points now behind a calorie. So, calorie with our old pal, Walter Mazzari could be in a world of trouble. Uh, just to wrap up one or two other things before we go, Alvaro, what's going on with Barcelona? Three straight defeats at home. Yes, and uh, this one was um, a repetition of what has been going wrong for Barcelona lately. It's a team that uh, doesn't manage to, to kill the game before the 70th minute and they have to resort to look the young that worked against Levante a couple of weeks ago but that hasn't worked um, over the last two or three games uh, it's a team that uh, comes onto the pitch uh, not uh, trying to to capitalize every possession or attacking sequence they've got and it doesn't look right right now the truth is that Barcelona had a very good period from February until mid-March. And uh, it's not that we're looking at the past and saying, oh, maybe we exaggerated a little, bo- a little bit with Xavi's Barcelona. I believe that uh, scoring four against Atletico, four against Napoli, four against Real Madrid, four against Valencia, and so on, was something special. Barcelona has a positive head-to-head against the top four in La Liga. But lately, things aren't working for Barcelona. I think that the injury of Pedri has been definitely something that has triggered the crisis. Because with Pedri, Barcelona wasn't playing well already uh, in his last couple of games, but at least Pedri was deciding a few games. Then Aubameyang is not getting a lot of supply. Ferran Torres is uh, suffering to uh, make a difference. I think playing on the left, uh, he feels a little bit cornered, a little bit ostracized in that wing, and maybe he needs like a readjustment of his position. And then uh, the truth is that Dembélé, as uh, good as uh, he is, or uh, as agitator as he is, yesterday he had a very frustrating night again, the kind of night in which you wonder if it's worth for Barcelona to pay so many wages, or so much wages to a player that uh, actually he plays very well sometimes, but then he doesn't hit the right numbers, no? So it was a bad night for Barcelona. Also, there was a clear penalty on Gabi that uh, the referee didn't call, and it was ludicrous, this one. And you wonder if, and I don't like talking about the referees a lot, but you wonder if what Piqué has done over the last week, or what has been leaked, Piqué just talking to the to Luis Rubiales, mm. uh, sending some audios, uh, trying to get some something for him in return, like for example uh, asking Rubiales uh, for Andorra not to be droned in uh, Andorra is the the club he he owns, for Andorra not to be drawn in the difficult Catalan group in the Spanish third division. 
for Rubiales or for Piqué asking Rubiales uh, whether he could play the Olympic Games if that hasn't played the part against Barcelona indirectly because I think that the referee yesterday he really wanted to prove that Barcelona is not getting any kind of favor by the refs in a way I think indirectly he had that at the back of his mind because otherwise I cannot find the explanation for number one uh, not to call uh, the penalty on Gabi and number two just to take so many decisions against Barcelona in midfield, uh, you know, in place, in the midfield, in faults, in throw-ins and all that. So three weeks ago, Barcelona was looking up and saying, you know, maybe we have a chance at least uh, fighting against Real Madrid for the title race or at least pushing them a little bit. But now they have to look down because if they don't qualify for the Champions League and Betis, it looks like they're going to push uh, to qualify for the Champions League, then they will be in trouble. All right. How many points between Barcelona and fifth? Barcelona and Betis, they are um, six points apart, I believe, okay. six points apart. And then Atletico is fourth, two points away from Barcelona. All right. Extraordinary story that uh, Rubiales' uh, pique, Unbelievable. Uh, phone taps, audio thing. And, and some, uh, I think, sanctions on the way for Rubiales I've, I've seen mentioned. Mm, let's see. Let's see if that happens, because the thing is that uh, Rubiales, uh, to, to start with very quickly, Rubiales uh, and Piqué both uh, gave uh, either press conferences or they opened like a room chat to talk to journalists on Twitch, in the case of Piqué. None of them admitted that there was nothing wrong with that. They didn't, there. They didn't admit the conflict of interest. Um, probably Piqué hasn't done anything illegal, even though he shouldn't have done what he did. But Rubiales has been investigated. He might not have met the requirements, the legal requirements, to get some help from the Spanish FA to pay his luxury flat. Apart from that, uh, Rubiales uh, is working on commission too. So apart from being the Spanish FA president, he's also getting a commission for every contract he gets for the Spanish FA. And you know, this is something that uh, we knew that uh, Rubiales could do. But if you do it with a player that could feature for the Spanish national team as well and a player that plays in the Spanish La Liga well this is not exactly right no indeed not alright uh, finally let's go back to Jules for tales from Lyon Lyon who had a whopping 5-2 victory over Montpellier this weekend in league uh, they remain what are they 8? Eight? Eight yeah 8 now yeah. 5 points off even a conference league spot so they've really fallen away uh, Jules uh, there was trouble yeah, once again, uh, although you look on paper, they won 5-2. It was a great afternoon, except that when Carl Tokwe-Kombi scored his goal in the second half, he went in front of the ultras and put his hands behind his ear and then his finger in front of his lips to say, you know, shut it. Because obviously the ultras, as we know, have been really vocal. They were not happy at all by the way they lost to West, the team lost to West Ham. And that celebration didn't go down well, as you can imagine, with the whole... Uh, really, and they responded in their own way by insulting Tokoe Kambi. Literally, I mean, you could hear it on television. Every time he touched the ball, then trying to enter the pitch, then trying to block the players, they had to call the police and the like um, anti-riot police as well that came to the stadium. It was it was really surreal. Uh, between Saint-Étienne, Lyon and Paris, it was, it was crazy. And again, I think... We've talked about the, the problems very quickly of Lyon before, but I think that maybe hit home even more on Saturday, the fracture between, on Sunday, the fracture between the club, the players and the fans, and especially the ultras, who, as we know, have a 
a big place in certain clubs and certainly the case at Lyon. So I don't know what's going to happen in the summer, but they, they've got a lot of things to, to work out. Mm. So many clubs do. So many clubs do. All right, well, a dramatic midweek awaits us from Anfield to all those other places we mentioned as well. You're going to be speaking to Dan Juma in literally minutes. Indeed. Jules of Villarreal. What are you going to ask him? What's his real name? Great. How we should call him? Because yep. James Horn Castle obviously has a different name for him yep. than you and I. Groneveld. So that's Groneveld. it. Groneveld. Nothing more Groneveld. than that. No? Although when you said you're going to be interviewing Dan Juma, I, yeah. I almost thought it's like, you know, Daniel Juma there. Like, <laughs> maybe it's a third <laughs> name. New, right. uh, maybe. Good old Danny Juma. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, good. give him our regards. I will do indeed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and enjoy. Where can, we, where can we enjoy that interview, Jules? It will be on the ESPN website, I believe, tonight, and then a few clips uh, on social and on the ESPN shows uh, between now and the, uh, the game against Liverpool, the first one. I always enjoy watching your interviews, Jules. <laughs> so rarely we get a ch- chance to see you on air, but nice when it happens. <laughs> James, you're off to the Italian embassy. and uh, On Thursday, yeah. On Thursday, yeah, yeah. Alvaro, what have you got cooking? What have you got cooking? Oh, just looking forward for the Champions League again. Yeah, me too. Simple as that, really. All right. Two Spanish yeah. clubs in the UK. What else? What else? Just, yeah, it could be two Spanish clubs in the final. We'll find out. Anyway, Thursday we'll be back with our regular old Totally Football show uh, reviewing the midweek games. So do join us for that. For now, though... Many thanks to Jules, Alvaro, James, producer Charlie, Christoph earlier on, and you, listener. Have a great midweek. We'll catch up with you soon. From all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and discover bonus content by following the Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.